Good morning, members of the Marberly family. This is Pastor David Dykes, pastor of Green Acres Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas. And I have the honor and the joy of coming to you today to give you a message of hope and a message of healing during these difficult days. Uh, have you ever had a bad week and then it got worse and it even got worse? Uh, of course, with all the talk about the coronavirus and then on top of that, the unexpected death of your pastor, your leadership has asked me to come and talk to you, but not to address either of those subjects. Instead, just to bring you a word of hope from God's Word. And so today I want to talk to you about this subject, what to do when your world crumbles in, what to do when your world crumbles in. So if you have a Bible or would like to access the Word of God on a device, I'm going to be reading in a few moments from the book of Job, Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. You know, trouble comes in all shapes and sizes. Uh, I was talking to my grandmother, I mean my mother-in-law the other night. Uh, about all the things happening in the world. And she used this expression. I've heard that generation used before. Uh, when it rains, it pours. And you know, but the Bible says that this world is going to be full of suffering and it's going to be full of trouble. One of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis from his great book, Mere Christianity, he said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And I want to assure you, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are made for another world. Now, if you know the story of Job, you know, it begins with God and Satan having an audience. And, and God says to Satan, you know, have you considered my faithful servant Job? And the devil says, who's the accuser of the brethren, obviously, he says, well, of course he's a good guy because you've bribed him. You've blessed him so much. But if you take away all of those blessings in his life, he will curse your face. And God said, no, he won't. The devil said, yes, he would. And God said, no, he won't. So the devil said, let me try. And so God said, okay, you can touch him, but you can't kill him. And then as we know the story, there, there begins the story of tragedy of what happens to this man, Job. And we come here to Job chapter 1, verse 13, we can read about some of the problems that he faced. The Bible says, One day when Job's son and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and reported, While the oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazing nearby, the Sabaeans swooped down and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. He was still speaking when another messenger came and reported, God's fire fell from heaven. It burned the sheep and the servants and devoured them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. That messenger was still speaking when yet another messenger came and reported, the Chaldeans formed three bands, made a raid on the camels, and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. He was still speaking when another messenger came and reported, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on the young people, so they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job stood up tore his robe, shaved his head, 
He fell to the ground and worshiped, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then throughout all of this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. Now, if people know the story of Job, they, they know about his troubles and they sort of know how the story ends. And you need to always keep your eyes on the end of the story to know that, that in the end, God blessed Job twice as much as before. But, but in between, there is a whole lot of questioning. In fact, many, many times Job is just asking God, why? God, why? Why did all these bad things happen to me? And those are the same questions that we ask. And so this morning, as I share the Word of God with you, I, when your world crumbles in, I think there are four things you need to do. So I encourage you to not just write these down, but apply them to your life. So number one, when your world crumbles in, just go ahead and express your grief honestly. Express your grief honestly. You know, the worst thing people can do at times like this is sort of suppress or hide how they're truly feeling you know, and Job's grief was expressed in several ways. There was that immediate expression of grief when he tore his robe. And you know, that's how a lot of us respond when we hear bad news. Uh, uh, you know, we, there are quite a few stages of grief that people go through. Uh, there's shock, there's numbness. And then you go through this range of emotions that uh, changes from weeping to even to anger. And sometimes when you get bad, no, bad news, you just want to drive your fist through something. And, and so that was the immediate way that Job expressed his grief. And uh, I know that there are times when we hear bad news. You know, there are two kinds of grief that we face in life. One is when we hear the, uh, of a sudden bad news and then we're, it's unexpected and it just rips us apart. And the other kind is what we call anticipatory grief. And Maybe like me, you have sat beside a loved one as they slowly died and, and you really begin to grieve with them even before they die. So there's different kinds of grief. So there's their immediate expression of grief, but then there was really a more long-term expression of for grief for Job as well. Because the Bible said he shaved his head, which was the Jewish custom of the time. So Job went from being a man with hair suddenly to a bald guy because everybody that would look at him would know something's changed in his life. But you know what? Every day as he got up and began to rub the bristle of the hair growing back, he was reminded that gradually, slowly, his life would return to some kind of normal pattern. And so it's important for us to express our grief honestly. You know, Job lost all of his finances. You know, he had a lot of camels and a lot of sheep, and I've actually added up how much they're worth in today's dollars. In one day, he left, lost his entire financial estate of, of $50 million. He not only lost his finances, he lost his family. His 10 children died suddenly. Can, could you imagine getting worse news than that? And then we're going to find out he's going to lose his fitness. He's going to be afflicted with all kinds of physical pain. But you know what? Throughout it all, even though he never blamed God, he never cursed God, Job did honestly express his grief. When you go to Job 16, verses 15 and 16, he said, I have sewn sackcloth over my skin. 
I have buried my strength in the dust. My face is grown red with weeping and darkness covers my eyes. That was his common friend, grief, and he was not ashamed or afraid to express that grief. So go ahead, just express your grief honestly. Then the second thing to do whenever your world crumbles in is to acknowledge that every blessing comes from God. Job said, the Lord gives. He said, I came into this world with nothing and I will leave with nothing. And you know, it may be true that a man may be buried in a $500 suit, but when he came into the world, he he was wearing nothing and possessing nothing. And the same is true for us today. We bring nothing into this world and we leave nothing out. But everything that we receive during our lifetime is truly a gift of God. And think about everything good in your life, all your relationships, all the blessings that you have, the help that you may be enjoying at this very second That is a precious gift from God. How do we know? Because the Bible says that in James chapter one, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. You know, our world is changing. Circumstances are quickly changing, but I'm here to tell you that God doesn't change. And the same God who thousands of years ago had a love relationship with this man named Job. He wants to have a love relationship with you. And you need to see that as a gift from God. And so would you take a moment right now and just thank God for everything and every person good in your life. You know, and then the third thing to do whenever your world crumbles in is to accept that God may take something away without giving you a reason. He may take something away and he won't give you a reason for it. Notice Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And as I said over and over again, Job just kept asking God all these questions. There are are more questions in the book of Job than any other book in the Bible. And Job just keeps asking God, why God, why God? And finally you get toward the end of the book and God says, okay, Job, you, you want me to answer your questions? Well, let me ask you a few questions myself. Okay, Job, like where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Where, was, where were you when I created all of these things? And he just peppers Job with all these questions that Job can't ask, answer. And it's like God says, okay, Job, whenever you answer my questions, I'll answer yours. In other words, God's trying to teach us, folks, there just really are some questions in life that we don't find answers to in this life. And so don't let that bother you. I mean, if you're the kind of person that you think you have to figure out why everything is happening in the world, I just want to tell you, your God is too small. You need to see God as a bigger, more powerful God than that. Uh, For instance, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 11, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments, how untraceable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or been His counselor? Who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? In other words, there's so many things about God that we'll never figure out. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Isaiah says, as far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways from your ways. Sometimes in life, we lose things and God doesn't give us a reason for it. And so we're just left to rebuild our lives with no answers, 
but knowing that Jesus is the answer. You know, through my life, I was, I've been privileged to know some just amazing pastors. And one of them I, I, I knew when I was in college and seminary, and he's now with the Lord. Uh, his name was John Claypool. He was a Baptist pastor in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, and later became an Episcopalian uh, rector. Uh, but he writes about the struggle that he and his wife went through when they had a four-year-old daughter named Laura Lou who suffered and died from leukemia. And so he struggled to deal with that for many years in his life until he went back and remembered something that happened to him when he was a child. He was, he was a child during World War II. And he said in the town in which he lived, they had a neighbor uh, where the husband went off to fight in the war. And so the other members of the family moved to be with other families. And this neighboring family had a very valuable appliance that was pretty rare in those days. They had a Bendex ringer washer washing machine. And John said that uh, they would even sometimes go over and let them use it. But then when this family moved away, they just said, here, while we're gone away, we don't want it to rust. So why don't you and your family move it to your back porch and, and you can use it. And so John Claypool said for almost the whole four years of the war as he was growing up, they had the blessing of that old green Bendex washer on the back porch. John said, well, the war ended. The family came back. And then he said, to his horror, those people took away their green washing machine and moved it back to their house. And he was complaining to his mother about it. He said, they took our washing machine. And she said, oh, no, John, it was never ours. They just allowed us to use it for a while. We should be thankful that we had it at all. And in his book, Steps of a Fellow Struggler, John Claypool makes this application. Perhaps it'll help you. When I remember that Laura Lou was a gift, pure and simple, something I neither earned nor deserved, nor had a right to, and when I remember that the appropriate response to a gift, even when it is taken away, is gratitude, then I'm able better to try to thank God that I was ever given her in the first place. So sometimes God will take things away and he doesn't give us an answer for it. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. And then finally, number four, what to do when your world caves in? Let's review. Express your grief honestly. Acknowledge that God may take a blessing. Acknowledge that every blessing is a gift from God. Acknowledge that God may take away something without giving you an, a reason for it. And then number four, offer praise to God. And when you don't feel like it, faith it. I didn't say fake it. I said faith it. Because he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so as we go through times of pain and sorrow, we all need to come to that point where we can say, God has given, God has taken away our comfort zone, the way things used to be, the circumstances we feel good about. He's taken them away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, I'm sure Job didn't feel like worshiping God. or He didn't feel like saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. But, you know, we're not supposed to go by our feelings. I wonder what he felt like doing. Well, we know what Mrs. Job felt like doing because over in Job 2.9, she said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? 
but he never did that. Instead, he continued to worship God. You know, it's so easy to praise God when things are great, when circumstances are ideal, when you're able to go to school and go to work and the grocery stores are full, it's easy to praise the Lord then. But it's when we come through times of suffering and challenge and shortage and we praise the Lord then, then it becomes a true sacrifice. In fact, in Hebrews 13, 15, the writer says, therefore, let us continually, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Now, when the sun is shining and everybody's healthy and there's no coronavirus warnings, you can say, praise God, praise God, praise God. But when we go through challenging times and you still praise the Lord, it becomes a precious sacrifice. You know, one of my favorite songs of worship that we sing often at our church, I know you do here, by Matt Redmond, Blessed Be Your Name. I like that verse that says, On the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in still, I'll say, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, God can use times of disappointment, sadness, sorrow in your life to teach you. I've often recited a little poem that says, I walked a mile with laughter. She chatted all the way, but I was none the wiser for all she had to say. But then I walked a mile with sorrow and not a word said she, but oh, the things I learned when sorrow walked with me. And the Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with suffering. But the Bible also says that Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, these are challenging times. And I got a great bit of advice the other day from, from my can of shaving cream. That's right. I was looking at the label on the can of shaving cream, and you know what it said? It said, contents under pressure. And I thought, amen. That's right. We're, we're living in a time when there's extreme pressure. And if you want to know what's inside a person, just, just watch what comes out of them whenever they are under pressure. And by the way, I think this is a time that God is going to bring out the best in the body of Christ. So as we come to the pinnacle of the book of Job, not the final part of it, but the pinnacle of the book of Job is when Job finally comes to realize that, that he's going to trust God, whatever happens, even if he slay me, I will still trust him. But then in Job chapter 19, verse 25, this is the pinnacle of the book. But I know that my redeemer lives and at the end he will stand on the dust or on the earth. Even after my skin has been destroyed, I, yet I will see God in my flesh. I will see him myself. My eyes will look at him and not as a stranger. And my heart longs within me. And I just want to say to you that whatever you think's going on or whatever you think might happen, there's one thing for you to know, and there's one thing for you to hang on to all during these difficult days. 
You need to say, I know that my Redeemer lives. And I'm going to see him one day. You know, one of the most popular movies over the past couple of years has been the, was The Greatest Showman. You know, of course, starring Hugh Jackman. I mean, there's some ladies in our church that saw it more times than I'm embarrassed to tell you how many times they saw, but it's a, it's a good movie, great music. And even though it's based on truth, there's a lot of things that that story left out that you need to know about. For instance, P.T. Barnum, he was, a, he was a real guy, you know, promoter, but he certainly wasn't a nice looking guy like Hugh Jackman. He was like a short, fat, beady eyed guy who was always trying to get a quick buck. In fact, he also invited Charles Spurgeon to come over and do a lecture tour and offered to pay him a million dollars in today's do uh, dollars. And Charles Spurgeon wrote him back and said, may your money perish with you. <laughs> but he did actually bring the Swedish nightingale, Jenny Lind, over to the United States to sing to packed out concerts around the nation. And she earned an equivalent of what today is $21 million in today's dollars. And the account said, and we don't, have no, we don't have any recordings of her. It's just before recordings were made. We do have photographs of her. She wasn't this beautiful lady like was portrayed by actress Rebecca Ferguson, who's, by the way, whose singing voice was dubbed in for the movie. She was very plain looking. In fact, she herself said she had a potato nose. But what the story left out that is a key part of her life is that she was a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And almost all the money she earned on this tour, she turned around and donated to Christian causes, to Christian churches here and back in Denmark. And so one of these days when we start traveling again, if you get the chance to visit Westminster Abbey again, you can, you can see the place where she's buried. And all you see is her name and the dates of birth and these words from that great song from the Messiah by George Frederick Handel. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Because what the show didn't reveal is the truth that in every concert Jenny Lynn ever sang, she, were, she always required that she be allowed to sing, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And that's what I want you to know today. I want you to know that God is alive. And if you know him and follow him and trust him, you're going to be able to see him. So my friend, as we come to the end of this message, I just ask the question again, what do you do when your world crumbles in? What do you do when you get bad news and then worse news and worse news? Well, what you remember is that this world is not our home. This world is not all there is. And Jesus promised this about the world. In John 16, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. He said, in me you'll find peace. Not in pills, not in booze, not in the news, not in politics, not in health care. He said, but in me, you will have peace. In this world, you're going to have all kinds of trouble. He said, keep your courage up. I've conquered the world.
Let's pray together. Father, I just want to take a moment right now and thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that every good thing in our life is a gift from you. And Father, I pray for this church at this moment that you just be with them during these difficult days. Walk with them. And Lord, I know there are rough waters ahead for all of us. But we thank you that you're the one who can walk out in the middle of a storm and say, peace be still. So, Lord, for those who are afraid, for those who are going through a range of emotions, I pray that they will be able to affirm today that they know that you live and one day we will see you. Now, bless and strengthen and guide this precious church family. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.